I read an article regarding a packaging firm that was um, sued for a box that uh, I think weighed 9,08 kilograms in terms of the of the article, or according to the article, that fell on or from a shelf and hit the shopper. And that shopper was uh, seriously injured, and then the packaging firm was sued. So I um, ask uh, Susanne Duvet here from our offices, from Ferdin Duffy, you're listening to from Ferdin Duffy Legal News, by the way, here on Baderberg Stereo. Program is sponsored by the Wit and the Villiers to have a look at this case. So, uh, Susanne, maybe I can firstly ask you to explain what the facts in this uh, case are according to the article. Yes, certainly. Um, I just want to start off with saying that uh, just imagine you're shopping, minding your own business when something falls on your head. I'm sure that no one expects that this will be uh, uh, any that you will be in danger when shopping. Yes. So unfortunately, this is not a fictitious story. This happened to a 63-year-old shopper in 2014. She has now won the merits portion of her case, and the retail outlet is liable to pay 100% of her damages. Mrs. Meyer, the injured, alleged that she saw glasses at the bottom of a shelf and she thought it would be perfect for a function that she's planning when she heard a clicking sound. When she came to, she was sitting on the floor with her back to the shelf and a large box was on the ground to her right. Witnesses for the defendant, that's now the retailer, alleged that they saw her standing on a ladder and pulling out a box from the third shelf. The case came before Judge Nurkisher in the Pretoria High Court, and the judge found that Mrs. Mayer's version, she's now the injured, uh, was the more probable one. The judge said that in the... In, pardon? That in failing to ensure that the boxes was, was clearly negligent. Okay. So, um, yeah, you say negligence was proved, but, but what in general, maybe you can just explain to us, needs to be proved uh, to succeed with such a claim? Uh, certainly. So, to succeed with a claim uh, like this, we need to prove all the elements of a delict. That's now, firstly, the act. There needs to be an act, and it must be a voluntary human act or an omission. And that's now a failure to act. Uh, the second element is wrongfulness. Uh, there must be an infringement of a legally protected interest, and the, infringe, the infringement must be unreasonable. So it's important to remember that. The test that we apply to determine wrongfulness is the Boni Morris test, which, is, which entails the weighing up of the interest of the defendant promoted against those who, whose rights have been infringed. But there are circumstances where a wrongful act can be rendered lawful, such as provocation, consent, official capacity and necessity. Um, our third element is fault. In order to prove the following elements needs to be present. Intention, dualis, obviously in, in Latin. Negligence, and that is culpa. It can be either uh, one of the two. So uh, you don't have to prove intention and negligence, just intention or negligence. And can only be present if the person acted wrongfully. Before this proven, um, we first need to prove that the person was accountable. So people who are not accountable are children under seven, 
people with mental diseases, intoxication and provocation. So that's always something that we need to look at. Um, I will quickly discuss negligence because this is pertinent to the case. A defendant is negligent if the reasonable person in his position would have acted differently. In other words, in other words, pardon, if the unlawful causing of damages was reasonably foreseeable and preventable. It's important to remember in, in a case like this. Our fourth element for a delict is causation. There must be a causal link between um, the conduct and the damage. I'm not going to go into that too much um, today. Um, and lastly, we have to have damage. If there's no damages, if there's no damage caused, then there will be no claim. So it's always important to have all the elements of a delict before we can proceed with a, a claim like this. I think in most cases, and also in this case, um, negligence is the element that is in contention, is it not? In other words, there's a dispute as to whether the defendant who is being sued, in this case the packaging firm, was indeed negligent or not. The, the other elements are sometimes also relevant, but I think uh, negligence is in most cases the one which uh, will make the difference as to whether you succeed in, with the claim or not. And in this case, you say that the court indeed held that the packaging firm was negligent. They should have um, taken, taken steps to ensure that the shopper wasn't uh, hit by that uh, box falling from the shelf. Yes, correct. Okay, and you also mentioned that they now won the case on the merits. What does that mean? Well, that only means that the attorney or her counsel was, in all probability, very uh, cautious. Um, we usually, um, in in practice, separate merits and quantum if you're not sure if you will be successful on the merits. Um, it's not uncommon, uh, as I said, to separate the merits and quantum portion of a claim uh, to ensure that you do not incur expenses um, to prove the quantum before the merits portion is dealt with. In Afrikaans, we say, we need to be sure that we will be successful before we can proceed with the quantum. Yeah. Uh, and then also in uh, adding to what I've said, proving the negligence could be very tricky. I will give two examples of cases with the same set of facts where the courts decided that one retailer was negligent and the second not. In Gordon versus the Mata, the plaintiff slept on a cabbage leaf that fell on the floor. The court held that the shop should have taken steps to prevent the leaves from falling on the floor by collecting them. In other words, it could have been preventable. But in City of Salisbury versus King, the plaintiff again um, slept on vegetable uh, matter on the floor, and the court held that the presence of vegetable matter didn't in itself indicate negligent conduct, and that it would be unreasonable expensive unrealistic, and unrealistic to expect immediate removal of the mat on the floor. So this is just to um, explain to the listeners why some attorneys need to separate merits and quantum because we are not sure um, if we will be successful on the merits. Okay, so if you win the merits, the court in principle finds that the defendant is liable for the damages but you still need to prove the extent of the damages 
as part of the quantum that will then be considered later. No? So I guess it makes sense because it can be very expensive, expensive to, to prove the quantum because you need to get experts involved, doctors, uh, etc., cetera, um, and, and, and actuaries uh, to prove your, your damages. Am I right? So that's, I guess, one of the main reasons why the two are then split. That's correct. And then also to add to that, uh, a medical legal report compiled by an expert is uh, usually just uh, valid for two years. So you need to be sure that you will obtain a court date um, before your uh, report lapses. So that's why most attorneys just proceed on the merits before um, they then start working on the quantum portion. Okay, so in this case, they've won the merits, so that's obviously a very important step, uh, but that's not the final battle. No? The next battle would now be the quantum, which they also need to prove and which will probably uh, also be opposed by the defendants. Um, I guess that's the next step of what happens now. Yes, that uh, that's exactly uh, what's going to happen. A council will need to prove or they will need to prepare for the quantum portion um, and by sending her to medical legal evaluations, as I've added before, um, she will in all probability require an assessment with a neurologist because she sustained a, a head injury, um, a neurosurgeon in all probability and a neuropsychologist, as well as occupational therapist, an industrial psychologist and then an actuary. Um, I would also feel it prudent to send it to a specialist physician uh, because of her age. As I've mentioned before, she was uh, 63 years in 2014. So we will need to prove that her present complaints and medical issues was a result of the boxes falling on her head. So the injury she sustained in the, in the shop and not some other pre-existing condition. Uh, due to her age or any other previous injuries. So, again, we will need to have uh, determine a nexus between the injuries she sustained in the, um, the shop and what she's suffering from now. So, this is, as we've said before, very expensive exercise as well. And then um, if she goes to trial after all the reports have been obtained, um, they can claim for past, future, uh, past and future hospital and medical-related expenses, past and future loss of income, and then also then the general damages, which, which includes loss of amenities of life and pain and suffering, etc. Especially with loss of income, I guess uh, the claims can be substantial. Eh? I mean, you work a lot with, with third-party claims, uh, uh, Susan, where there are claims based on motor vehicle accidents and there are there's death or injury flowing from, personal injury flowing from that, where, where you also have to use experts and where there are also often substantial claims um, in, involved. No? So, so do you, they also often separate the merits from the quantum? Yes, we do. Um, especially if in the case where the driver was um, alone in his vehicle, uh, there were no witnesses to the accident, and he alleges that there was another car involved, and that was a hit-and-run accident. The, the other car um, drove off. It happens quite often, and then we need to first um, prove our merits before we can even start thinking about the quantum portion of the claim. All right, so if uh, any of our listeners ever get injured in a shop, then I would suggest that you do indeed consult your attorney and get advice 
on how good your chances are of perhaps succeeding with the claim if you had some serious injuries resulting from that accident. And then uh, remember that you can then separate the merits from the quantum to maybe limit the costs and first see whether you win uh, on the merits before you incur all the expensive uh, um, uh, expenses in respect of the experts that you would then have to, to hire. So, yeah, thank you, Susan. I think that uh, gives us a good idea of the relevant uh, considerations in this regard. That's all we have uh, time for today. Remember, our email address is info at vvd.co.za. Thanks for uh, listening. Uh, make sure that you tune in again next week, Wednesday, between 3 o'clock and 4 o'clock, and then also on Friday evenings.